0: Glory to God. Hebrews 13, verse number 20. The Bible says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he what? Equip you with all you need for doing what? His will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him, our glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Look at verse number 22. I urge you dear brothers and sisters to pay attention to what I have written in this brief excerpt. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail and it wasn't because he did a whole a, a bunch of dastardly things. He was in jail because he was preaching the gospel. All right. Notice what Paul says. Not Paul. The, the writer of Hebrews. We don't know it was Paul. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here I was, if, if he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send their greeting. May God's peace be, be with you. Okay? So now the text here, the verse number 20, 21, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. Everybody say, equip me, Lord. Equip me, Lord. So here's the thing that I think we got to recognize. God is in the business of equipping us to do His will, many of us want Him to equip us to do our own will, and that's not God's way of doing business. He wants to equip us to do His will. Everybody say His will. In these final verses, the writer to the This letter of Hebrews summarizes the major themes of Hebrews. He talks about peace. He talks about the resurrected Christ. He talks about the blood. He talks about the covenant. He talks about spiritual perfection, which is maturity. And he talks about God's work in the believer. Are you with me today? As the good shepherd, Jesus died for the sheep. How many of y'all know that's true? As the great shepherd, he lives for the sheep in heaven today, working on their behalf. And as the chief shepherd, he will come for the sheep at his return. That's what First Peter 5 and 4 tells us. So good shepherd, he died for the sheep. Great shepherd, he lives for the sheep in heaven today working on our behalf. How many of y'all know that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for you and I every second of the day? And I am so glad that I have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of mine infirmities. And he's sitting right there beside God saying, okay, forgive him, God. My blood covered that. Forgive her, God. My, my blood wiped that away. Forgive him, God. I thank God for that. Our high priest, amen, in heaven today, working on our behalf, shepherd, he will come for the sheep at his return. Amen. Our great high priest is also, again, he's a great shepherd. When he was on earth. He worked for us when he completed the work of redemption. John 17 and four says this as Jesus was praying. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He's praying in John the 17 chapter that, 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 that awesome chapter where Jesus prays to the father. And he says this in verse four. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He said, now that he's in heaven, he is working in us. Watch this. Now that he's in heaven, he's working in us to mature us in his will and bring us to a place of spiritual perfection. Everybody say spiritual perfection. Perfection means maturity, spiritual maturity. We will never reach that perfectly, that place perfectly until he returns But while we are waiting, we are told to continue to grow. Go with it, if you will, right quick, to 1 John, the second chapter. 1 John, chapter number two, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 28. 1 John, chapter two, verse number 28. So we have a great high priest. We have a good shepherd. We have the great shepherd. We have the chief shepherd who's who's going to return, and he is trying to do something in us. He's trying to work in us, through us, to reach mankind with the gospel message. Look at what the text says. Y'all there, let's read together. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Let's keep reading. He says, since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Next verse says this. Next chapter, I'm sorry. <laughs> Next chapter says uh, in, in, in uh, three and one it says what? See, see how very see how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us what? His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. All right. They don't. So they don't recognize that we're God's children, especially those of us who are who are living out this faith. Those of us who are who are who are, who are sold out to uh, uh, to the gospel message, like the apostle Paul, the person who's willing to suffer and is willing to die for their faith. I would submit to you that the average Christian in America is not willing to really suffer for their faith. And one of the ways that God perfects us and matures us, and we're going to see it later on, is by taking us through a period of suffering. Oh, y'all don't like that, do you? Sometimes he has to take us through some things to perfect us and to get us ready to really do his work here on earth. Are you with me today? So see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Look at verse number two with me right quick. It says what? Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be what? Like him, for we will see him as he really is. Now watch this. Listen to what he just said. Let's read it again. I, I need y'all to pay close attention to every word in the passage. And particularly when we get to this third verse, I want you to understand something because it's, it's critically important. Watch what it says. Can you read it again? Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be What? Like him, for we will see him as he really is. Look at verse three with him right quick. Y'all there? Let's read. And all who have this, what? Now, what is the eager expectation? What is the eager expectation? The eager expectation is that Christ will return. But back up, y'all. Y'all missed that. Watch, dear friends, we are already God's children, but we, but He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. In other words, we're going to see him. We're going to meet him. Amen. We're going to see him as he really is. Now go to the next verse and all who have what this eager expectation. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all are eagerly expecting Jesus to come back? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. He says, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. KJV says that all who have that hope in them will purify himself. Purify means clean. If I am expecting Christ to come at any moment, it will transform the way I talk, It'll transform what I look at. It'll transform what I choose to hear. It'll transform what I choose to engage in. Because if I am looking expectantly for his return, I'm going to purify myself. So a lot of of believers aren't really expecting him to come back at any moment. Because if the truth be told, you wouldn't have been cussing like you were cussing last night if you were expecting him to come back at any moment. The truth be told, you wouldn't have been creeping. Y'all know what it means to creep? Creep. That means you sliding and meeting with somebody who you should not be sliding and meeting with. Around the corner. In the woods. Wherever you may be. You wouldn't be creeping because you you would expect that right when I'm getting ready to get into my creep, Jesus come back. You said, no, 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 I can't go there. I can't go there. My flesh may want to go, but my spirit says no, because I'm expecting Christ to come at any moment. He that has that hope in him, the Bible says, purifies himself. So, guys, why, we, 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 we will never reach perfection while on earth, but while we are waiting, we are told to continue to grow. Now, look, look, look go back to Hebrews 13 and verse number 21. Uh, that phrase you, you sent your outline, that phrase make you perfect, that's in Hebrews thirteen and twenty-one in the KJV is a translation of one Greek word. It's katardizo. Everybody say katardozo. Fancy word katartizo. That's not necessarily a word that we're familiar with in today's culture society, but the the recipients of this letter would have definitely been familiar with that word katartizo. The doctors knew it because it means to set a broken bone. The fishermen knew it because that same word meant to mend a broken net. Uh, The sailors knew it because it meant to outfit a ship for a voyage. Y'all know what a voyage is, right? Come along and ride on this. Yeah, some of y'all know about it. All right. right. So (laughs) that that ain't got nothing to do with tear China. But sometimes those songs just come. I don't know why that, where that stuff comes from, staff. Just come, just come to me. So, so, so it means to outfit a ship for a voyage. To sailors, it meant to equip. I mean, to soldiers, it meant to equip an army for a battle. So that word was very familiar. Catardizo. Catardizo means, watch this, it means to mend what, what has been broken or what has been rent into, it means to repair. It means to complete. It means to fit out. It means to equip, to put in order, to arrange, to adjust, to fit or to frame for one's self. And and it means to prepare. And from an ethical standpoint, it means to strengthen, to perfect, to complete, to make one what he ought to be. Everybody say what I ought to be. So katanas is a very strong word to make you look. Let's get back to Hebrews 13, 21. Hebrews 13, 21. Pop it up on the screen. Let's read together. Let's read it from the KJV, if you will, Brother Jay, I'm sorry. I've got you skipping today. But, uh, Katarzo. Katarzo. To make me perfect. Okay? Are y'all with me today? Let's read together. It says, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing where? In his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, what? Amen. Amen. See, our Savior in heaven wants to equip us for life on earth. I'm going to say that again. Our Savior in heaven wants to equip us for life on earth. Can y'all repeat that with me? Say, say my Savior, my savior in, heaven in heaven wants to equip me, to equip me for life, for life on, earth. on earth. He wants to, he wants to mature us so that, we can, so that he can work in us and through us that which pleases him and accomplishes his will. How many of y'all know that, that you can be a born-again believer, but if you're not maturing in your faith, if you're not growing in your faith, your ability to be used by God is going to be vinted. Catartozo fix prepare mend to get us ready so he can work in us and through us to do his perfect will That's what God is trying to do. That's what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us. And guys, let me tell you something. The reason why this is important, if you're not growing, if you're not letting the word of God be the preeminent source for your thinking and your paradigm or your way of system of belief, then you will allow cultural influences. You allow family influences. You allow uh, 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 your your, your friend or your, your boyfriend or your wife or your spouse to influence what you do rather than God's word. And God says, I got to get you to the point to where I can use you in the advancement of my kingdom agenda. So, how does God equip us? I'm glad you asked. Can we go through the scripture? First and foremost, he uses the word of God. Go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy, chapter number three. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10. As a matter of fact, I I, I want us to read, start at verse one. I I need y'all to see this. We're going to go through the Bible today. We're coming to church to go through the Bible. Isn't that that something? Some places don't want to go through the Bible. They want to get a a good inspirational word and make you feel. I I want to. This is an encouraging message today. Because make no mistake about it. If you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus wants to work in you to do his perfect will in the earth. He wants to work in you and through you to do his perfect will in the earth. And it is amazing, an awesome privilege to be able to say that I am a co-laborer together with Christ in helping get God's kingdom agenda done in the earth realm. What an awesome privilege that is. Now watch what he says here. Listen, listen carefully. Y'all ready? Let's go. You should know this, Timothy, this is Paul, Talking to his young son in the ministry, a pastor, a young guy who pastored the church at Ephesus, he's, he's talking to him. And says, "You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and un- oh, don't get me started. This is an ungrateful people." Of God. I'm not gonna say generational because there's some ungrateful folks who are seventy years old, and there's some ungrateful folks who're twenty-five years old. Ungrateful. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will they will consider nothing sacred. This is about the last time. The climate, the atmosphere that will be pervasive in the last days. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Oh, my goodness. Now, you in the church, you say you love Jesus, but you, you're not forgiving people. I can't rationalize that. And you can't either. Because if you have an unforgiving spirit, you have somebody in your life who you have not forgiven. God has a problem with you. I'm going to say if you're in this church and you feel that way, he has more so of a problem with you because you're being taught. The person who went crazy on you may not even know no Bible. I know it's not grammatically correct, but I'm going to say it again. May not even know no Bible. (laughs) But you're being taught and you're going to be held responsible for what you are taught. I've told you this before. It would be better for you to not even be here and learn this stuff than to learn it and don't do it. I'm not saying everything that God tells us to do is easy to our flesh. Come, Some stuff can be hard. But just because it's hard, you're not going to tuck your tail and run, are you? Come on, where's some perseverance? Where's some working through? Where's some, some caring and persevering and getting to your breakthrough? Break every chain. If there's power in the name of Jesus, he can break that chain of unforgiveness in your life. Because what you don't realize, if you're harboring unforgiveness, it's stopping you from being the vessel that God wants you to be. And so I'm here to stretch you. Everybody say, stretch me, Pastor. I told you three, four weeks ago, I'm your, I'm your designated stretching guru. And my job is to stretch. You. My job is to get you uncomfortable so you can get comfortable in Jesus. Can I keep going? Let's not run out of time. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander the others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Man, this is so true. They will betray their friends. Isn't it happening? They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They love the things that satisfy their flesh rather than the things that satisfy God. Let's keep going. Come on. They will act Oh, here we go. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, that's what Paul, as he writes to young Timothy, shares to stay away from folks who act religious. But they 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 deny the power or reject the power that could make them godly. Holy. Okay, keep keep reading. Let's go. They are the kind who work their their way into people's homes and and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. (laughs) Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Let's go. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and what? What kind of faith? A A counterfeit faith. Let's keep moving. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are just as Janus and Jambres. Now now guys, can I park it just for a second? Uh, You know, uh, when it comes to spiritual leadership, those two folks, you know, Moses, arguably, I I would say, uh, Moses was arguably the greatest leader in the Old Testament. And some can you may point out some other folks too but I, when i look at moses i see i see a great leader however moses would tell you if he was here today he couldn't attribute his success as a leader to his own leadership abilities because he was not a naturally gifted leader you know he was a poor public speaker right remember what ephesians Exodus 4 and 10 says this, Moses pleaded with the Lord when, when God told Moses, go down to Egypt and tear Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses pleaded with the Lord in Ephesians 4 and 10 and says, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. Some of y'all been saying the same thing. I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled up. Anybody ever feel like Moses... So, so he was not a great public speaker. He wasn't a very good at delegating. Remember his father-in-law Jethro had to come and say, now Moses, you're going to wear the people out. You're judging every matter that comes up and now people standing in line four and five hours just to get to hear a word from you on a judgment about a situation that they're dealing with. Amen. Delegate some of that authority. So he wasn't very good at delegating and he had an anger problem. Any of y'all got an anger problem? He had an anger problem which led him to commit murder. You see that over next. You remember he killed a guy? Uh, he killed an Egyptian. Moses' accomplishment as a spiritual leader came from the depth of his relationship with God. Hear me carefully. When it comes to ministry leaders, fivefold ministry gifts, and we'll look at some of those in just a second. Leaders influence people in two major ways. Get this. It's not on your notes, but get this. They influence people in two major ways. The first is by who they are, and the second is by what they do. First, it's by who they are, what their calling is. And secondly, it's by what they do, how they live. Remember Romans, the 12th chapter, he says the way to truly worship God is by giving your bodies as a living sacrifice. So Moses was a great leader. But scripture tells us that the Lord spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man spoke with his friends. Now, the Israelites recognized Moses a close walk with God. Whenever Moses would return from a divine encounter, he had this 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 divine glow over his face. Amen. And because of his close walk with the Lord, Moses was extremely humble. He was so shy and modest that when Aaron and Miriam criticized him, can y'all go there right quick? Go to Numbers the twelfth chapter. Numbers chapter twelve, verse number three. I know I'm jumping. I need to show you all this because God. The Bible describes Moses as a friend of God. Moses walked in humility so much so that when Aaron and Miriam, Moses' kinfolk, got out of line, God dealt with them. Numbers 12. Look at verse 1 through 3 right quick. Numbers 12, verse 1 through 3. Are y'all there? We got it up. Text says, While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam, and Aaron did what? Be careful about criticizing God's spiritual leaders. I, and, and I'm not saying that because I'm your pastor. You can talk about me all day long. Uh, the more you talk, the more I'm going to keep leading. All right? Here's what, see, you, you, you never know what a person is doing and dealing with until you have to walk in their shoes. You thought you wanted to manage the department until you got to manage it. And now you see why five people before you left after about six months on the job? Because dealing and leading people can be a chore, right? But but listen to me very carefully. God honors those who he appoints. I'm not saying everybody who's operating in leadership has been appointed, but if you've been appointed and anointed, God honors that. And as I told you before, it'll be better for you if you can't follow spiritual leadership where you are to go somewhere where you can, because God will hold you responsible for your lack of uh, 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 submission to his appointed leaders. Right. Watch what happens here. He, Moses, Moses walked with God. He was close to God. He was an humble man. One didn't have the natural abilities that you expect from a, a quote, natural born leader. But he was a friend of God. And when you walk close with God, people, you better watch out. He says, while they were in Hezorah, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. A black woman. Black woman. Can I say it again? Yeah. He had married a black woman. And they started criticizing. Can I say this? You either got to go all the way with God or you ain't going to go with him at all. You can't, you can't fight him on one part and then, then don't fight him on the other part. They said, watch this now. See, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Or are you the only one that the Lord talked to? He talked to me too. Well, this was God's anointed leader. Watch this. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. See, the Lord listened to some of y'all. The Lord is hearing some of y'all. Are y'all listening to me? He's He's hearing from some of y'all. He's He's. he's He's hearing what you say in the confines of your mind. He's hearing what you're thinking because he knows every thought and intent of our hearts. He said, but the Lord heard them. Watch what he says in verse number three. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person. What? On earth. On earth. Verse four. Read. Let's read. It says, so immediately the Lord called to Moses and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. All three of you, come in. Can I put it that How do you ever had your mama or your daddy call? Y'all, y'all come in. You knew by the tone and the tone of that voice that somebody was in trouble, right? Y'all come in. Y'all come in. Watch this. Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Watch the text. It says, then the Lord descended in the pillar of the cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called. And they stepped forward. Watch the text. Y'all know it. And the Lord said to them, now, listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. But watch this. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid? Why, why were you not scared to criticize my servant Moses? Why are you not afraid to criticize God's service even today? I'm telling you, God honors those who he places in leadership positions. Now, again, you don't have to agree with everything that they said, but why are you criticizing? Why are you talking down spiritual leaders? Listen, when I see, a, a, even if it's somebody who, quote, is on the big stage, I, I, I don't go around out on social media criticizing other preachers. Even if I don't agree with them, I'm not going to get out there on social media and the body of Christ shooting and killing one another. And the world is watching that. And you said, come to our church and your church is the message one in town. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Watch this. Come on. The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. Now watch what happens. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam. Her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, watch this. He cried out to Moses. Oh, my master. Now he's master now. Now, earlier he was, you ain't the only one the Lord talked to. But now he's what? Master. Master. Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. What was the foolish sin they committed? Criticizing God's appointed leader. Watch the next verse. Watch this. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby. Already the earth. Watch this. Come on, let's go. So Moses cried out to the Lord. Oh, God, I beg you. Now, here's the one that just been talked about by his kin folks. But yet he goes to God on their behalf. And what I'm telling you is a true spiritual leader don't let what people say about them stop them from doing what God has called them to do. He was their intercessor to God and Moses right now begged the Lord to heal him and the Lord did because Moses was a friend of God. So guys, spiritual leadership is very important. He uses, God will use, watch he use the word of God. Go back to 2 Timothy 3, if you will. But I had to throw it in because sometimes in, 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 in ministry and in life, if, if we're not careful, we'll start to criticize people in general. We can have a very critical and negative spirit. Listen, learn how to speak truth, positive words of affirmation. I'm not saying you don't deal with stuff that need to be dealt with, but why be so negative? If you if you got the joy, of the Lord is your strength. Why is that nobody want to be around you? The joy of the Lord should permeate through us in such a way that people want to be around us because the love of God is so present in our existence in our life that it attracts people to us. Are y'all still with me today? Now watch this. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live. This is Paul saying, You know how teaching how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer what? 13, let's go. It says this, but evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. When will they flourish in the last days? But evil people in the impossible flourish, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain what? Faithful to the things you've been taught. Remain faithful to what you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. 15 and 16 says, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. Next verse, all scripture. One of my favorite ones. All scripture is inspired by God and is what? Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us wrong and it does what? Last verse. Watch this. It says this. God uses it. What is it? The word to do what? Prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm going to say it again out loud and on purpose. If you have no word time, you are not equipped to do kingdom business. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. If you can't get out of your flesh long enough to get into God's word or either come together and study uh, with somebody who can help you uh, walk through the scripture, if you can't do that, you're not equipped to do God's word. Is that what it says? Back up. He uses it, what? The word to prepare. And equip his people to do every good work. So you special though. You don't need the word. You special. You don't, you don't, you, God just, God just talked to you like that. No, no, no. He said he uses the word to do what? To prepare and equip his people to do what? Every good work. So, so number one, he uses the word of God. Number two, he uses prayer. Go to uh, 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter right quick. Prayer. Now I'm going I'm to jump down. 1 Thessalonians chapter number three glory to God. He uses prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Say prayer changes change this thing. And it'll change people. And it'll change situations. Yes. Watch this. The text says here uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3 um, start at verse number 9. I gotta I got move. Verse number 9. Are y'all there? How we thank God for you Paul writing, because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we what? Pray earnestly for you. Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. How many of you know that sometimes we have gaps in our faith that need to be filled? And the only way you can fill that gap in your faith is through sound, expository Bible teaching and preaching. Knowing what the word of God says about that area of your life. He says, I'm praying for you. Night and day we, look again, verse 10. Night and day we pray earnestly to you. Asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. So he uses prayer. We pray for you earnestly. Everybody say earnestly. What is earnest prayer? That means that sincere, dedicated, consistent prayer time. I love our Monday morning connect, our prayer time. In case y'all didn't know, we pray corporately every Monday morning. And you are invited to pray. Because through the avenue of prayer, God is going to birth things into the earth realm. We cannot do it without the power of prayer. So Paul was saying here, as he wrote this letter, look again at verse 10. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again. So that we can what? To fill the gaps in your faith. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. He wants to fill those gaps in their faith. So he prays for them. Thirdly, he uses the fellowship of the local church to equip us. Go with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. He uses the fellowship of the local church to do what? To equip us. We have to be equipped. Jesus is our chief shepherd. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father and he wants to work in us and through us to get his will done in earth. Yes, you. Look at me. You. Every last one of us in here, God can use to advance kingdom principle. Every last one of them in here, God wants to use you. But you, you and I, will stunt his ability to use us when we fail to go through the equipping process. Can we be honest? And I believe in being honest. Can we be honest with each other? Can we really be honest with each other? There are a lot of Christians in this church who aren't hungry enough. They that hunger and thirst at the righteousness Will be filled. This thing should be so strong in your spirit; it should be it, it should be like you trying to get with that person who you want to get with. Do you remember that? Y'all want to play me? Do you remember when you were in college, or when you the, the person you married to, or the person you date, your first love? When when. You know how it was when you woke up in the morning you thought about him? And your whole day was planned around how can I get to him? Be in front of him or be in front of her. Is this, is this making, are, are some of y'all going back now and remember? Your, your, your first love? Lord, these folks, like they don't know what I'm talking about. I know they know. Lord, I know they know. And I'm just trying to give an example that many of us are not hungry. Many of us don't have that same passion and desire for the things of God and I'm trying to paint a picture. God says when you you pant for me as a deer panted for water when you get so thirsty y'all know what it means to be thirsty for somebody I know a little street term oh she thirsty. What does that mean? She's running after him hard, boy. Here's the truth. The reason why many Christians aren't being equipped, because you're not really thirsty for the things of God. You like the idea of God. You like religion. You like church stuff. But when it comes to really doing God's will, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, regardless of who they are, you ain't really into that. But, But you won't really say that you blame it on other stuff. Or people blame it on other stuff. What I'm trying to tell you, it's time for us to get hungry, so hungry for the things of God that we, we allow our own flesh to take a backseat to God Amen. and what he wants to do in our life. Amen. Are y'all still with me today? Now watch this. Y'all in Ephesians 4, 11. So, so again, there needs to be some equipping and some not only equipping, but going and doing. Some of us have been equipped, but we hadn't done anything. We just we come and we have a good time. But when it comes to really witnessing, sharing, serving, we kind of on, on the fringe. So my job is to stretch you and say, listen, you can't stay there. You got to get off the off the off the edge and let's, let's get into the middle of this thing. And let's start doing life together. Let's start doing ministry together. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and teachers. Let's read. Their responsibility, these five-fold ministry gets responsibility, is to do what? Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. That's what I'm here to do as your pastor, to help equip you to do the work and build up the church the body of Christ. Next verse. Come on, let's go. He says, What? This will continue. What will continue? The equipping will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. When will that happen? When we see Him face to face. So, these fivefold ministry gifts are there to equip people to do the work and to build up the church. So, as your pastor, that's my responsibility. And I do take it very seriously. I promise you I do. I love you, but I can't let you stay where you are. I love you, but I can't let you keep having that stinking thinking. Some of y'all is thinking it's so throat off. And I'm thinking, have you, how long have you been with the Lord? How long have you been studying the God's word and you still think that way? Now, let, let me say this. Anybody can can get their mind messed up when you get your mind off the word and you get it on people and the world at large. And it can happen to the best of us. So I'm just telling you is I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna preach you what I'm gonna preach you the the, unadulterated truth of God's word, and that's what we're gonna go by. And and I'm not listen. I'm gonna I'm I'm I'm, I'm not gonna even try to argue with you. I'm gonna just give you word. Now it's up to you to do it. But let me tell you something. We're gonna move forward in Jesus. We gotta go. Hear me carefully. I I, I was so excited uh, when our, our, our nursing home ministry is reconstituting, and we got some uh, some some folks who are on fire about ministering to our, in our nursing home. And I'm so thankful for that. They're on fire. They're planning. They're getting ready. in, in that, that Saturday before Easter Sunday, we're gonna relaunch our nursing home ministry. And here's the beauty of it, guys. 85% of those people in there joined the church in the last two or three years. Isn't that awesome? Now, the, the flip side of it is, where, 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 are, where are everybody that have been here 25 and 30 years? How long are you going to sit down and rest a little while? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Are you willing to serve God? Or are you gonna coast to we can't coast around? I, listen, this church don't have cruise control. you know what cruise control is? Just put it on and just let it slide. Listen, I can be just as guilt as the next guy. Are y'all with me? And God has to challenge me to let's move. God has to challenge me to get out of my comfort zone. Let's start reaching out. Let's start doing ministry. start serving together. Let's make sure that we are not just that person who comes on Sunday, get our, get our fix and we leave and we, and we don't think about God the rest of the week. It's time for us to be equipped and to do the goodwill Amen. of the Father who is in heaven. That's why he saved us and I'm going to keep stretching you. He uses the fellowship of the local church. He uses individual believers. Go to Galatians 6. Hurry, hurry. He uses individual believers. Galatians 6 and 1. As a matter of fact, he wants to use you. Do you not realize, Carl, there's some people you can reach that I can't reach. Remember, there's some folks who you're going to reach that I can't reach. Tony, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, Kenny Wayne, uh, uh, Don, there's there's some folks who you're going to come in contact with that I'll never come in contact with. While you're doing your thing at your trucking company, you're going to meet a, a broad cross section of people and God uses it as a ministering ground for you. There are people you're going to come in contact with who wouldn't even talk to me. But when they come in contact with you, be ready to be that witness that God uses to to show the love of Christ and tell them about your about your Savior. You may not know every scripture in the Bible. None of us do, but you know your testimony. You know what God has done for you. Can't nobody tell it like you can tell it what the Lord has done for you, right? And can't nobody deny what God has done in your life. Tell him how he restored your marriage. Tell him how he forgave you when you were a wretch undone. Wretch, yes, I said a wretch. Undone. God, God saved you. He delivered you. He, he's using you now. You can tell your story. Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. See, God uses other people. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right track. So if somebody falls, somebody messes up, it's not our job to stomp on them. It's our job to go and say, listen, come on, brother, I know you failed, but listen, God got your back and I'm here to walk through this thing with you. Now, we can't keep doing this now. See, I'm not talking about somebody who 15 times in a row. See, some of y'all are playing with God. I'm talking about the person who's really serious about this thing, who says, God, I messed up. God, I I, I failed you. That person needs somebody who can go and restore them with the spirit of meekness, considering your own self, because you're not any better than them. But for the grace of God, there go you and I. So reach down and pick your brother up. Stop talking about him. Reach down and show God, show the agape love, that unconditional love that says, I love you. And what you did don't stop me from loving you. Now, get up. We're not going to be revisiting this 30 times this year now. What are you going to do different? How can I help hold you accountable? I'm going to walk through this with you. That's that's real ministry. Some of y'all playing with God. If the truth be told. And God said it's time for us to get equipped and do the work. So he uses individual believers. Look at verse number two. Watch this. Watch this. He says share each other's bur- share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Next verse says, well, if you think you're too important to help someone. Hello. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You ain't that important. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. You're not that important. So, snoot yourself, okay? Four four and five, four and five. Watch this. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Stop comparing to other people. Stop, stop doing that. Oh, that's, that is, that is, that's so mind numbing to me. Not one time am I comparing EBC to another church. I want us to grow. I want us to develop. I want us to be all that we can possibly be. I want to learn from others. But I'm not sitting there comparing us to Great New Zion. Great New Zion is is, is a great church led by a great leader. More power to Pastor Donald W. Anderson, Great New Zion. But but, but I'm not sitting there saying, well, they got more members than we do. Uh, 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 Let's talk about them. That's what people do. Listen, I am happy when the body of Christ is growing. I'm responsible for you all as the pastor, okay? Lastly, for we are each responsible for our what? (laughs) Two two different Greek words used there. First of all, bear one of the burdens, help them, but we're also responsible for our own kind of those things that God has given you to do, you're responsible for us. Quit trying to get somebody to do what God has told you to do. Mm -hmm. Lastly, he uses suffering. And I don't really have time to go through this, but just know that God uses suffering. 1 Peter 5, y'all go there, write it down. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 10. God uses suffering to help perfect us. Now listen to me carefully as I close. There are some things in life that all of us have been through. You got a situation that's tough, that was hard, that you didn't even understand it when you were going through it. But when you look back on it you see how God brought you through it and it, it, would, it, it wasn't anything that you, you would ever want to go through again but if you're really honest with me I, I bet you everybody here got, got, got a testimony that they can say you know pastor when I went through that I, I mean I thought it was the worst thing in the world and I still don't like it but I saw what God was doing in me while he took me through that it could have been any number of things, loss of job, uh, friends walked away from me. I'm tell you something. When you, when you go with God, expect people to walk away from you. When, you. when you really get serious about this stuff and stop stop being nilly-willy and, and, and you start speaking truth to people, some people are going to walk away from you. But I'd rather them walk away from me than me to walk away from God's word. But whatever you're going through, Peter and Paul and others, suffered for their walk with Christ. Don't suffer because you're doing something stupid. Yes, I said stupid. Because there's some stupid stuff that we sinful stupid stuff. And all of us if we're honest about it, if 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 our if our if our life's decisions were placed on the board, we could probably name some stupid stuff that we did. I know I can. I'm just hand somebody that has some some, some stupid decisions. You look back, you like, that didn't make no kind of sense. I don't know what I was thinking. Look at, look, look at number nine at that. What, what, what was I at when I, look at number nine. You, you really believe I did that and said that? Yes, I did do that and I said that. But thank God that he forgave me. Thank God that he didn't kill me. Thank God that he resurrected my walk with him. And now I can run hard for him. Listen, show the evidence.